I've joked before, I always um, get a kick out of this Sunday of the year. Um, well, one of the two Sundays when we, when we kick chairs around. If you're newer with us, we've had a few folks who this is the first kind of winter season they've worshipped with us. It's fun to watch y'all get caught off guard when you walk in because you guys are creatures of habit. You all sit in the same places every week. You know that? I, I can almost count on where, not all of you, there's some outliers. Some of you are kind of do bounce around, but you're few and far between. Y'all pick your spots. So I love watching you stand back there and try to figure out where your new spot is. Um, I know, we continue to work on, we know that those of you sitting here, you are in the contemplative and prayer sections because it's dark. We know that. We're working on it. Um, but do not fall asleep because I will find you during the sermon and point you out. Um, no, I would not do that, but I'll stare at you. Now you'd be sleeping. You wouldn't even know. So um, anyway, it is, uh, it's good to see many of our friends back, as, as, um, as we've said in each service, many of you are, or some of you, I should say many, but some are back now from your um, time away up north. And we were told in each of the services, I've reiterated, somebody this morning said to, to Bethany and I that um, you are not snowbirds, you are sun seekers. So we are well glad to have our sun seekers back in these weeks to, to come as, as many um, begin to return uh, if you are here for the first time today or have been for a few weeks, uh, we're in a, a four-part sermon series called uh, God Knows, very, very loosely based on a, a book by Christine Kane called Undaunted that the women's group is actually using in their Bible study class on Wednesday nights. But it, it's God Knows, and we're talking each week about some of the intimate experiences, the realities of who we are that, that God is powerfully connected with. And so two weeks ago, we started with God knows your name. And last week, we talked about God knows your pain. And, and each of these have been rooted in Isaiah chapter 49, verses 1 through 7. This week, we're going to talk about fear. And then two weeks from now, we're going to finish the series. Next week, we have something special planned um, around our, our service of, uh, of consecration of the, the, the shoe boxes and some other ministry things, but in two weeks we'll finish with purpose. But, but today we talk about fear and that reality that uh, I think it's safe to say is at some level familiar to each of us. And so I'm going to do something, I'm going to kind of um, flip the script a little bit this morning, and rather than read from Isaiah 40, um, 49, I'm going to back up a few chapters. If you have your Bibles marked, you can just flip a few pages. We're going to go back to Isaiah 43, uh, because I think it speaks a little bit more specifically to the, to the point that we, we get at today, to the word of hope and courage that, that we all need to hear. And so again, it's God speaking through the prophet, God speaking not only to the prophet, but to his people, to us through these words of hope and, and courage. So hear this scripture, Isaiah chapter 43, I'm going to read verses 1 through 5. But now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name, and these are words that should be familiar from a couple weeks ago, you are mine. Remember, that's God's name. You are mine, as he names us. He says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. 
For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt for your ransom, Cush and Seba in your stead, since you are precious and honored in my sight. And because I love you, I will give people in exchange for you, nations in exchange for your life. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of God for the people of God. Let us pray. Gracious God, your word which is given to us, your Holy Spirit that speaks into us, help us to hear. And through your word and through your presence, do with us whatever you will to shape us into the people you have called us to be. We pray in Christ Jesus. Amen. He did it again last Sunday night. I don't know if any of you watched it. But that nutball, affectionately known as Nick Walenda, walked that tightrope again. How many of you watched? Anybody watch? A few of you watched it. Y'all are crazy. Um, I did not, which is why I didn't even realize. I knew I'd been hearing about it all week. Uh, that, that he had actually done two. See, I had thought he had walked the rope once, blindfolded up the 19-degree steep, but I guess he walked the 19-degree incline between two skyscrapers and then walked another wire blindfolded. Did I get that right? Completely out of his ever-loving mind is what he is. Uh, and, and I appreciate that, and I appreciate that, but I, or what he does, uh, but I, I did not watch it. I do not watch it. And here's why. Because he may not be afraid, but I am. (laughs) And watching him do that makes me too nervous. I I root for him. He's, from all accounts, a a great guy, but but it's too fearful for me. I don't want to watch. And I know there was a time delay and they would have cut out, but if they had cut out, I'd have had a heart attack. Because I, I feel the fear that, that he obviously is able to overcome. But I was thinking about him, and they were interviewing him this week in radio stations and things. And like I said, from everything he says, he's just a, a, a wonderful guy, and, and I root for him. He's even talking. I heard him this week in an interview. His next one, he's planning his next one. Get this. He's paying honor to his grandfather, because, you know, it's a family of crazy people. Um, and so he's paying honor to his grandfather, by getting ready to walk, or he's going to start preparing to walk some gorge in Georgia. I don't know what the big gorge in Georgia is. And he's going to do, because his grandfather did this, two headstands in the the wall. I don't even know how that works. I won't watch that one either. Um, But but I was thinking about him because I was hearing him on the radio, and, and he is a powerful embodiment as a lot of these adrenaline junkies are, of, of people who are over, able to overcome their fear and do things that most of us would never, ever imagine doing. We'd never venture to do. And, and so he becomes kind of a model in many ways for, for overcoming what becomes a, a negative association for many of us of fear. What I mean by that is when, when I think of, of fear... I think of its crippling effects. I think of its negative effects, uh, the way that it I- inhibits us. And, and that is true, and fear does do that. And, and we'll talk about the way God calls us to, to embody faith and to live through a fear that very often can have negative 
implications in our lives. But we also have to recognize that there's a purpose to fear. Fear has value. God created us with the ability to to internalize fear and to react to it because there are things that we need to be afraid of. There are things, when, when a child is growing up, we want him or her as a youngster to learn to be afraid of touching a hot stove because they will get burned. You know, we want them to be afraid of sticking a metal knife into a light socket, which I did as a child, if that explains anything. Um, burn the edge. I don't know how I'm... Uh, did you know that story? I did do that in Jacksonville. I, st- I, I wasn't a bright kid, um, and I did that. So you... you and no comments from you. Thank you. Um, you want... But you want... You want that to be something that they're afraid of. Ryan is learning how to drive. We've told you this before. He's, he's got his permit, so either his mom and I have to ride with him all the time when he drives. And I said that in the first service, and everybody started laughing because they thought I was talking about our fear at his driving. But that's actually not the point I'm, I was getting at. We, we want him to learn um, some healthy fear when he drives. Especially, you know what, and, and because if he's of that generation, as many of us, we want him to be afraid of that cell phone when he drives. We don't want that anywhere near him when he drives. We don't want it in his line of sight. We don't, certainly don't want it in his hand. And because we want him to have a healthy fear of the ramifications of being distracted, of, of losing track of, of and not being focused on what you're doing. I want him afraid of of that. I want him afraid of me if I find that he has done that. There's two things that that fear has value there uh, because it's important. It it, fear can direct behavior in proper ways. In in another example, when I was years ago, actually when I was in college, I got certified to, to scuba dive, something I've got a chance to do over the years. I know many of you have as well. My instructor there at, at Florida Southern, who was certifying us in, uh, to be able to dive, we were getting a, a kind of a level one, level two certification. And uh, he was, or is, a rescue diver. And he's one of the teams that sometimes gets called in tragic situations to retrieve bodies of people who have had horrible things happen in, in this, the course of their dives. And he would tell us stories of the people that he has pulled out of caves, the bodies that he's pulled out of caves, of natural spring caves and other uh, formations in Florida because people ventured into places they weren't qualified to go. They, they ventured into circumstances they didn't understand what can happen in a cave and sediment getting um, stirred up and the complete disorientation that can happen. And he would tell us, and, and he told us those stories for one purpose. He wanted to scare us appropriately scarce. And I'll tell you what, the few times in my life that I've been diving, that I've come across a cave, I haven't come anywhere near going into a cave. Because I remember his stories. I remember those stories. And they scare me of what can happen if I get stupid in that situation. Fear has a purpose. Fear has value. Until it doesn't. Until it doesn't. Until we pass a line in that continuum of fear. 
that we step beyond a place where, where fear can be a contributing director of our decisions to the place where it becomes an inhibitor of our opportunities and experiences, where it begins to, to paralyze us, begins to, to limit us. What I mean is we want kids to learn not to touch a hot stove because it could burn them, but we don't want them growing up afraid to cook, to never go near it. We want them to learn how to manage that. I, I, I want Ryan and me and Tony and, and his sister and all of us to have a healthy fear of, of what can happen when we're not attentive and alert when we drive. But I don't want him so afraid that he doesn't get behind the wheel. And, and even an example like cave diving. And we don't want as, as individuals to become so afraid of what might happen that we don't explore, we don't push, we don't have new experiences. We just want to learn how to do it is intelligently and with the, the wisdom that God has given. But what happens is that same fear that has value on one side of the scale, when it begins to become too strong, when it becomes to become too um, dominant in our minds and in our experience, it begins to inhibit us. It begins to limit us in our relationships, in our obedience, and, and in our faith, I mean, we, we know this. You, you may have struggled in your life in, in that fear of, of being hurt in a relationship, whether it be with friends, whether it be with families, whether it be romantically. And we begin to step away because the fear becomes so strong. So we insulate ourselves. And in doing so, we don't have relationships. Or in our faith and in our walk with Christ, the same thing can happen. It begins, it begins to paralyze. And we miss opportunities. A few months ago, Tony and I uh, took the kids to a place down on State Road 70 um, called Triumph. Any of you familiar with Triumph? Any of you been there? Okay, a few of you. A few hands. Triumph is a uh, ropes course. It's a high, well, it starts off as a low, but then it gets high. It's, it's, um, it's kind of like walking a, a tightrope, if you will, except you have cables over the top of you, and there are various obstacles, and you basically go from station to station, and they harness you in, and you clip in at every station, so if you fall, you're caught. You know, there's no, there's no risk of falling and, and injuring or killing yourself. But as you move from station to station and obstacle to obstacle, it gets higher and higher. And so station, there's five courses. So the first course is maybe six, seven, eight feet off the ground. Would that be fair? And then course two maybe goes to 12, 13, 14 feet. You get the idea. All the way till the fifth course, which is ridiculously high, depending on your perspective. And so as we worked through the courses, the four of us, as we were there together, you come to, we, we, we got through, we were at station four, so we were already pretty high by my scale. And on course four, you come to a fork, a decision, if you will. And you make a decision about halfway through of what you're going to do. One option is to just finish off with the fourth course and be done. But if you go literally to the right, you can go left or right. If you go right, you have an opportunity to try to tackle the fifth course, which takes you another 10, 12, 13, 150 feet up into the air. <laughs> and 
tackle those final obstacles, which looks really fun. But I will tell you, when I got to the fork, <laughs> I was done. Stick a fork in me. That kind of came out oddly. But um, I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't do it. Well, let me back that up. I didn't do it because I wasn't going any higher. I had pushed the limit of how high I was willing to go. And no matter how much intellectually I knew I was harnessed in, no matter how much I knew I was protected and safe, my body just wasn't going to go any higher. And so Tony and Cassie and I finished off the fourth course while Ryan did the fifth. And I sat down and I watched him as he moved around this, this challenge course. And I thought, man, that kind of looks fun. Kind of wish I was up there with him. But, but fear. I mean, I, what I told people is I was too tired. That was my answer. I was, I was fatigued, but, but that wasn't the answer. Just flat out honest, I was scared to go any higher. And in doing so, I missed an opportunity. Now, I'm not telling you if I did it again, I'd do it. Because uh, it's easy to be brave when your feet are on the ground. And I don't think that's one of the great regrets I'm ever going to look back on in my life. I don't think on my deathbed I'm going to look back and go, man, I really wish I'd tackled course five at Triumph. <laughs> but it reminds us that sometimes in far more significant ways, when fear overrides, we miss opportunities. We miss the opportunity of ex in experiences. We miss relationships. But even more importantly, and what we speak, what we read about that is spoken to in the scriptures over and over again, is we miss opportunities for faithfulness. We miss opportunities to step into the places God would lead and into the blessings that He has provided for us. And our experience there is the same as those who have come before us. In fact, 350 times, actually over 350 times in the Scriptures from Genesis to Revelation, you will find words like this. Do not be afraid. Take courage. Be strong and courageous. Over and over, we hear the, 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 the Word of the Lord speak to His people. We hear the prophets speak to the people. We hear the angels speak to those who are chosen. Take courage. Be strong. Do not be afraid. Because fear is a universal human condition. And it is to a point natural. Until it's not. And until we begin to shrink back from the opportunities and the places God would lead because we're afraid of what might happen. And when we experience those realities, we are just like those who have come before us. Exodus chapter 3 and chapter 4 are about Moses and the burning bush. And that entire experience is built around God's call upon Moses and Moses trying to say no thanks because he was afraid. Because he was afraid. He was afraid to leave a life that had become comfortable for him. He was rightfully afraid to go back to Egypt where he'd fled for his life 40 years ago or 40 years prior. He was afraid to stand before Pharaoh. He was afraid if the people would trust his leadership. He was dominated by fear, and we understand that. Jeremiah, the prophet, who was young, was afraid. He was afraid of how his message rightfully would be received, what people would say, how he might suffer 
because of God's call upon his life. Isaiah the prophet. We can go over and over throughout the scriptures and read the stories of men and women who hear the voice of God, who get the invitation of God, who are called of God, who want to shrink back because they are afraid. We know in our own lives there are moments when we come to that fork, that decision, and we're afraid. And I think into those moments, into those places, into those experiences, God speaks truth. God speaks truth that we need to hear today that is spoken of in the Scriptures over and over and over again. There's two things we need to keep in mind when we find ourselves in those moments, when we find ourselves in those places where fear begins to dominate. And the first is this. We need to focus on the promise. We need to focus on the promise. It is the promise that Isaiah the prophet writes about here, that God speaks to his people Israel, to his people Jacob. And he says to you that when you feel the waters, they will not overtake you. The rivers will not sweep you away. The fires, though you walk through them, will not burn burn you. Why? Because I am with you. Over and over into the places in which people begin to succumb to fear, God speaks those words. That is the refrain of Exodus 3 and 4, back to Moses in the burning bush. Every time Moses throws that obstacle in front of God, I can't, I'm not a good leader. I can't, I don't speak well. I can't, they'll never believe me. God says, I will be with you. Those are the words that are found repetitively in the Scriptures. In fact, in the most famous of the Psalms, the 23rd Psalm, David writes, he prays, he cries out, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For thou art with me. You are with me. Now see, what I want the Psalm to say, what I wish God had said is, If I am with you, you will not have to worry about walking through the valley of the shadow of death. That's what I wish. But that's not the promise. We focus on the promise. And God says, when you walk through the valley, I'm with you. I'm with you. We focus on that. Jesus says to us, you know, we're getting ready in a few weeks to begin Advent. You know, that is a few weeks away, believe it or not. I mean, we are full into the season. And when we begin to celebrate Advent, we celebrate the birth of Christ, the one who is called Emmanuel, which means God with us. And Jesus gave that promise at the end of his life. He said, I am with you even to the very end of the age. We, when we find ourselves in the moments when the darkness is overcoming, the fear is crippling, we want to shrink back from whatever it is God's calling us to, we remember the promise. I am with you. I am with you. And that gives us strength. And then as we remember the promise, we fixate on the person. And this is really, really important, friends. We pay attention to where we are looking, both Literally and spiritually. And when we were walking that ropes course, especially as we got higher and we got well beyond my comfort zone, one of the most obvious lessons 
of life was, was profoundly true for me. And that is, in order to make it obstacle to obstacle, in order to overcome those moments of, of fear for me, it was really important that I was looking in the right directions. And for me, I had to keep my eyes up on the things that were protecting me, the harnesses that were my catch, to remind myself that even if I fell, I was safe. Even if I fell, I had somebody, to, something to catch me. So I kept my eyes up and I kept them straight because here's what happened. When I got silly and decided to look down and see exactly how high I was, I'd freeze because all of a sudden into my head when I'd look down, I would start to think about all the things that could happen. The harness could break. What if I fell? That's a long way to go. The way I looked mattered. What I was looking at mattered. Well, what was true literally is true very powerfully in our spiritual walk. Where are we looking in the moment when we feel the fear begin to creep in? There's a wonderful story in the Gospels in, in Matthew when the storms are raging and the disciples are in the boat and Peter looks up and who's out walking on the water but Jesus. And Peter says to Jesus, Lord, command that I come to you. Let me come and do what you're doing. And Jesus says, come on. And the scriptures tell, that's my version. Um, the scriptures tell us that Peter gets out of the boat and when his eyes were on Jesus, he walked on the water too. But when he took his eyes off Christ, when he began to see the waves, when he began to see the storm, when he took his eyes off Jesus, he began to sink. And he began to succumb to his fear. We remember the promise and we fixate on the person. It means we gaze our attention and we listen and we focus. It doesn't mean that the fear is complete. I... I it doesn't mean the fears completely dissipate. I looked in the scriptures for the lesson I could find that would tell us exactly how to never feel fear. Couldn't find it. In fact, when I went back and read the life of Jesus, remember him in the Garden of Gethsemane? Remember the night? He was afraid, but he was faithful because he kept his heart and his mind and his ears open to the voice of God. So are we. That's our call. In fact, again, I didn't watch Nick do the walk, but somebody was telling me after the first service that when he did the tightrope with his blindfold on, he asked people to be quiet so he could listen to the voice of his father. How's that for a spiritual lesson? That even though he couldn't see, he could hone in on the voice of his dad, directing his steps as he walked. We have a dad that directs our steps through the presence of his son Christ who is with us always. We remember the promise and fix our eyes on the person who is with us. It does not mean the challenges go away. It doesn't mean the days aren't sometimes very, very difficult. But God gives us what we need so that when we walk through the fire, we will not be burned. And we step into the river, it will not overtake us. Do not be afraid. Be strong and courageous, for I am with you. I am with you. Brothers and sisters, we have the power to overcome because of the presence of the one who is within us, who is the overcomer. Let us hear his promise and fixate on that person. Jesus, our Lord, let us pray.
Speak to our hearts, Lord, wherever we are today, because some of us here today are in very frightening places. We are in places where we are scared. We don't know what tomorrow may bring. We don't know where you are leading. We hear your call upon our lives and we're afraid to step out on faith. We, we find ourselves in the midst of our struggles and our relationships and we don't know what the next step will be. We know what it's like to feel the fear. But Lord, help us to hear the promise and to remember your presence. Help us to find strength not in ourselves but in the presence of Christ that guides our steps and more importantly, journeys with us, both in the mountaintops and in the valleys. Speak words of faith and promise to us, gracious Lord. We pray it now and forever. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen.